0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dynasty Rankings podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, with me is Alexander McKenzie. You can find him on Twitter at Jacked up on Mountain Dew. Now listen, this show is going to be a little bit different than the prior shows to it. I think this might be episode three, might be episode four. For those of you that have been following my work, you do know for a fact that I oftentimes forget what episode number we're on anyways. So it might be mostly irrelevant. With that being said, with numbers uh, being in effect here, we are going to do a bold prediction slash agree-disagree episode where we're going to bring up at least eight. I think we aim for 10. I think we rolled back uh, and repealed a few of the ones that were on the list for various reasons. So I think we're looking at maybe eight bold predictions. Some of these coincide. With some of the video work we've seen, but as this audience uh, audience continues to grow, some of this will be new for you guys as well. So, Alexander, knowing that the, the task, the goal at hand here is to challenge groupthink while also knocking people's socks off. Do you feel like you're prepared to deliver 5% of that? Because that's all I'm looking for.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Try not to be too crazy, but just slightly crazy.
0: What do you mean, just a little bit crazy. Like you don't want to say <laughs> that Jamar Chase is going to finish outside the top ten wide receivers, or I
1: don't. Yeah, no,
0: no way. No, nothing. Okay, no. well, that's understandable. There are some <laughs> bold takes that are hard to get behind. I feel like these are going to be. Fringe this is this is the this is the effort of going like where the gray area is and then just a little beyond like gray area being explainable into the darkness a little further a little harder to explain but let's start right off the bat because that's what we do on this show Rashad White ends up a top 15 if not a top 10 dynasty running back some point this year and into next year. What what are your thoughts on that? This was this one was one of yours, but we just did a full wow. robust Rashad White episode. So we don't have to we don't have to repaint the wall here. So mm-hmm. for those of you guys that want like the full-on version, <sighs> go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Nate List for now. And look for the Rashad White graphic. We did like 15 minutes on that situation, and we're very pro Rashad White. But this yet again, in statement, feels once again pro Rashad White.
1: Yes, I, again. So the first thing is obviously you know Leonard Fournette has left, right, and he still had what over 50 receptions last year. Um, so he was heavily used, just right at 50, uh, heavily used in the passing game, even with. Leonard Fournette and we knew how many receptions Fournette had in that offense okay but I know that uh Tom Brady's out but I think Baker if he's average and his propensity to throw to check down to the running back especially from his time on the Browns uh, I think that he still maintains a very uh big workload in the receiving game and then what triggered me to get even more further into this take was uh, the fact that he gained 20 pound uh, not 20 pounds but he's up to 220 pounds now uh, which kind of gives me a telling sign that he's he's prepared to use be used in between the tackles which evidenced by his yards per carry at 3.5 wasn't too great uh, or too efficient um and then uh, you know obviously it's a lot of coach speak coming out and saying that he's kind of a um a, a potential three down work uh workhorse for for that team but again if you look at the depth chart I know Sean Tucker gives some people some fears. He's a he's a you know he's a pretty good back coming out of Syracuse, but he went undrafted. And if not, maybe the conversation comes up next year. But I, I still think Rashad White has got the receiving profile. He's got the size. He's got the requisite athleticism. Um, he's got the coach's confidence, which again take it what you will. But I, I think the receiving profile and the fact that he added the weight um, it, it, it puts him in that conversation because they're going to run. Through Rashad white for this offense. I know they've got Evans already talking about, but Evans potentially moving on. I know there's maybe some contract situations where he may retire there, but again, Evans is, is, is potentially not the same player. He's already questionable right here. Godwin's a a legit player, but there's already conversations about potentially trading him. This is one of those teams that, uh, kind of is going through maybe a transition period here. Obviously it's transition period without Tom Brady. Um, so I, I could totally see the whole offense running through Rashad White. And if he stays healthy, I, I I think that dynasty top 10 conversation comes in, especially with some of these guys that are in there uh, at the top. Uh, some of these aging guys uh, could potentially have injuries. And then that injury at that age uh, at the top of the list, someone like, you know, everyone loves Eckler. If he gets hurt, if Eckler gets hurt and and, and kind of hurts his his draft stock and he kind of enters into the right at that 10 spot, uh, and is out. He's going at what RB 22 2 yeah. Easily top 15, if not top 10, if he's maintaining that workload throughout the entire season. Um, and then the contract he's a, what a third round pick. So he's here for at least two more years. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think the team's heavily invested into him. To uh, with the third round draft capital, which is not bad for, for running backs, right? Nowadays. Yeah, not at all. That's not at plenty all. of not, hits out of the third round. Plenty of hits, plenty of hits out of the third round. Um, I think the fifty uh the fifty receptions last year and then the size. I, I'm you know, slightly concerned about Sean Tucker, but again he went undrafted and I think the team is is heavily invested in Rashad White. Um let's see how it pans out if he can stay healthy. If he stays healthy, again, I think easily top ten
0: conversation. So a couple quick things. One, because first off, if anybody's watching this video, every time this light behind me goes out, take a drink. That's five drinks so far. Okay. Number one, I really, that's what it felt like to be an offensive coordinator. I was changing screens and you were just going with every screen that I changed to, which was absolutely amazing. So I want to say a couple things. One, I know people want to bring up Tom Brady. One thing that we know for a fact, if we know anything about Rashad White's profile, is that he is a definite pass catcher. He had 43 receptions his final year at college at Arizona State, so it is 100% in his profile with or without Tom Brady. We've talked about Baker Mayfield and his, you know, propensity to throw it to the running back when he was with the Rams. We saw that number. I believe it was higher than it was when it was with the Browns. I can't remember. We did it on the episode. I believe one of them was 18%. One of them was 13%. Nonetheless, um, you know, average rate for high-end teams when you're looking at targeting the running back position is anywhere north of 20%. That's kind of where you want to be. Doesn't mean anything. This offense could, could be dumping it off to Rashad White. All the time. The other thing is, when you look at Rashad White's profile, he only cracked a 60% or greater snap share in two games last year. That was something that on average only 13 running backs did in 2022 was average over a 60% snap share. So that doesn't necessarily make it a rarity, but it oftentimes does define the fact that many of these running backs find themselves in committee backfields or more divided situations. You brought up Sean Tucker. There's nothing out there to validate that Sean Tucker's taking this job. You mentioned there's coach speak. There's a profile. There's medicals that failed that caused him to go undrafted. Um There's a, a page that just keeps opening suddenly. There's a lot of things going on here. But the point <laughs> is that when given the opportunity, only one game did we see him with, a, with an incredible snap share, 90%, which, by the way, that's not happening. I think there was only four guys last year with a – snap share. He hit 90 in this game, 19.9 fantasy points per game. Uh, You know, monster workload, monster target share, but that's what he brings to the table. So I don't think it's crazy going through the conversation that you were just sort of walking through. Tony Pollard, Single-year deal here. Don't know what happens with guys like Eckler that are aging. Don't know what happens with a guy like Travis Etienne. Very similar situation to uh, Kenneth Walker in a way. Travis Etienne Mm -hmm. hasn't manifested the passing game usage. What if Tank Bigsby starts to cut into that opportunity enough where we see Travis Etienne as say, a 57%, 56% snap share? That could Mm -hmm. throttle him. So if we find Rashad White a 62, 63% snap share guy, and he's being productive while the sum of everything around him is really not that great, that leads us into the conversation of maybe he deserves to be ranked higher looking at the age, looking at the production, looking at the contract. So I don't think it's bold at all. I actually think the top 10 is going to shake up quite a bit here um, with new running backs. 10, Mm -hmm. 10 is getting tight. I think 10 is getting tight. But I mm-hmm. think top 15 for me is pretty easy. I think a number yeah. of these names could fall off. I think 10 is a little tight. But again, Nick Chubb's now over 28. Exactly. Uh, you know, what does Josh Jacobs do this year? Mm-hmm. Eckler, yep. ETN, does he live up to it? Kenneth Walker, does he get slashed? Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, does contract <laughs> stuff come for him in the future? Is Javante the same guy? There's a lot of warts between yeah. RB. RB nine and RB 15. So I think that that's why I believe he could get into the top 15, not saying the top 10 is impossible. I just think things really have to go right. And there has to be a lot of consumer confidence to put him there. Now we might rank him there. Even if people don't have him there, that's mm-hmm. possible. But I think from a consumer standpoint, uh, it might be just a smidge more difficult than that to get him there.
1: And I'll, oh. and I'll leave you on one note, one more note. This is the craziest stat. Okay, so I just want—I I wanted to get it out. Scott Barrett found it uh, last year in evaluating Rashad White uh, among Power Five running backs since 2013 with at least 90 rushing yards per game and 40 receiving yards per game in a single season. It's Rashad White, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley. End of list. Let that sink in and think about that when you're uh, in your drafts looking at Rashad White.
0: He just melted my entire brain. What was left of this brain has now been melted. I well, listen. I it's hard to debate Rashad White. The size, the speed, I mean, he really is like a, a rare breed of player with all tied into this receiving ability. So, mm-hmm. I'm with you on it. Bold prediction. Now, we've talked about this maybe on another episode. Christian Watson who is currently being ranked on keep trade cut. Let's swing our screen over this direction. Currently the wide receiver 18. I do believe what are up with these ads. Lord have mercy. Uh, oh. Nate, you got something that's say? Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, toenail issues. So Rashad or uh, now you got me way off my game. Holy smokes. Christian Watson currently the wide receiver 18 on keep trade mm-hmm. cut. I don't think it's entirely crazy to say that he could make it all the way up to a top 10 dynasty wide receiver by the end of this season is, is that take crazy or not? Because I'm willing to support it right now.
1: Well, okay. So you, you brought this up to me too. Like the, he's the one that the wide receiver that has the most, who could jump the most because a lot of his value is, you know, we don't, we haven't, we only saw him for like a portion of the season that used him sparingly until the end of the year. And then he exploded with Rodgers, and he had those crazy amount of touchdowns. And uh, uh, at the end of the year, uh, with him again, size, speed, freak, right? Six, yes. four, 208, 436 speed, absolute monster, right? And, and what if what if Jordan Love is actually good? What if they this is an efficient passing offense? They have a good O line. What if Jordan Love Jordan Love has looked good in preseason? Again, preseason. But I mean, I think this is your number one on that team. That it's easily surpassed a lot of those guys on that list to to jump in that dynasty top ten because of the literally the profile alone. Uh, it just he's oozing with talent and he's already showcased some of it with Rodgers. If love is is 75% of that of what Rogers is, I mean he still will be in the top because his talent is there. It's not like it's not like it, 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 one of those things where love is carrying Watson. It could be that he has standalone value on his own.
0: I think one thing that we saw in his profile too, that to me, again, I know the touchdowns buoyed it, but when you look at what he did over the the bulk of these eight games, when he really flashed, mm-hmm. he was doing to me, what I really only remember seeing guys like Tyreek Hill and Jamar Chase do big, big monster performances on relatively low volume His largest game of the year was eight targets. Dude, that's barely trending into wide receiver one territory, like threshold of target usage. So he's got eight targets, six, 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 and eight. And in those games, 32 points, 21, 21, 24. I don't know why this keeps popping up. This is driving me crazy. Uh, ESPN is a horrible place to go for depth charts, by the way. Couldn't say anything worse about it. And then at the end of the season, again, here's another 104 receiving yard game. 16.6 fantasy points on six targets so what I love about him is that he can do a ton with very little and I realize Rodgers was his quarterback but you're right I Mm -hmm. think Jordan Love has enough of the requisite ability to put it in play for this guy but you look at him last year Christian Watson um you know yards per out run top 12 look at his EPA last year top 23 as a rookie quarterback rating when targeted number two. Again, he might be playing with Rodgers but for a quarterback rating to be that high, he's doing something on his own. Yeah. Right. So that's coming down to him as well. Uh, Fantasy points versus man top two. Again, your best wide receivers are getting man covered. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think that when we look back at this profile and this was coming on a minimal target share, a minimal air yardage share, his opportunity wasn't great, but this mm-hmm. is one of those great examples where the market is just behind what the ceiling is. Like for him to be the wide receiver 18 right now, for him to be behind Jordan Addison to me, and I realize it's a tight window here, is absolutely insane because Jordan insane. Addison. Guys, I went and did a deep dive on this. You can pull it up on Twitter if you search it. Maybe I'll retweet it. The average wide receiver two in an offense going back over the last like 15 years is 111 targets for a wide receiver two. The largest historical years for a wide receiver two, there are two guys that had over 140 targets. After that, it's basically Emmanuel Sanders three times with like 133. A wide receiver two in an offense is on average usually right in that the high-end guys 120 125 maybe you get lucky and you get a devonta smith 136 target season in there rarity though so Mm -hmm. the idea that christian watson we could look up in week 17 and he's getting 146 targets this year why jordan addison as a rookie is seeing 105 111 maybe i think that that's totally fair Mm -hmm. and with with justin jefferson already on the roster like your ceiling and i again guys it was only a couple years ago when you didn't want the number two in an offense across from an alpha. This, mm-hmm. this whole universe only changed very recently with T Higgins and Devonta Smith until there was a blueprint. This wasn't something that people were banging the table for. Now this is mm-hmm. like wave of the future. You got tomorrow's newspaper today. It hits your door. You opened it up and you're reading it. And I get why people love Addison. But again, these guys are slightly different in age I don't know what Addison's going to necessarily be in the league, but I know that I've seen Watson be phenomenal. And with Jordan Love, there's a definitive path where he could be the guy and he could out-target Jordan Addison on average by 20 or 30 targets annually. And Mm -hmm. that wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think the intangibles are there. The athleticism is there. And people are fading him kind of unnecessarily. But to go back to the point of why he could be in the top 10, well, he could – if we go to who's up there now – Tyreek's going to be over 30 next year.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's very possible if we see explosive performances out of Christian Watson, he could be ranked ahead of Tyreek being six years younger. Mm -hmm. Devonta Smith, he's very fringe, but for the next few years, he's going to be the number two in this offense. I know that we talked about him possibly passing A.J. Brown, but that's a very tall task to pass A.J. Brown. I mean, it's it's possible that Devonta Smith goes back down to 125, 128 targets this year, loses a little steam. T Higgins has never been a high volume guy since Mm -hmm. Jamar chase has been there. Drake London. There's a lot left to be delivered on DK Metcalf is already falling. Um, And even with Jackson Smith, like I love Jackson Smith, but he's going to have to like steal a massive amount of targets from DK Metcalf. Who's barely, you know, approaching 26. And I know everybody assumes that this is just going to be easy. Capizzi, but like, DK could still, this is, could be a 130 target guy and force Jackson Smith to be just a few notches ahead of him. Maybe the AJ Brown, Devonta Smith thing where maybe mm-hmm. Jackson Smith is 138, 142, which would be phenomenal, but you're not going to push a guy like DK Metcalf all the way out of the picture. Whereas with, you know, with our guy here, Christian Watson, like he doesn't have a lot of competition. So. I think it's very, very possible that he creeps into the top 10. And I can assure you, if he comes out the first three weeks of the season, really, really hot, he's going to climb a guy like Diggs, He's going to jump a guy like London. He's going to jump a guy like Higgins. Like it's going to be fast. It's going to be like a brush fire. Mark my words. Um, I think it could happen
1: easily. You could easily see him uh, jumping all those guys. And again, addison is kind of limited in his role he, he was didn't test very well uh he's not like a, an elite athlete like Watson he can't burn and have an explosive game he, he's more of just a technician he can he can separate and and cre- create separation and get a lot of targets uh, in that sense but in terms of doing the most with the least amount Christian Watson's that guy and then like you said if his target share goes up I mean the sky's the limit and it it, it I don't even know if Jordan Love has to be otherworldly for him to kind of skyrocket these some of these guys. I just think I think Jordan Love is probably better than someone like Desmond Ritter. And when you compare him to like Drake London situation, and gonna, the pass attempts won't be there
0: either. Well, you're gonna make people very angry making blanket <laughs> statements like he could be better than Desmond Ritter, which I don't think is crazy. I think Desmond Ritter is gonna do a lot of damage to a lot of. A lot of good people around him. Okay, the next player that I want to bring up, and I guess it's right back to me on this list because I brought this one up. I believe that in 2024, Zach Charbonnet could be the preferred running back in Seattle. Yes, you heard me correctly to all the detractors, all the people that are going to my Kenneth Walker short and absolutely attempting to lampoon it, telling me the take is bad, telling me I'm out of my mind telling me I need to reevaluate my life amongst other heinous statements. It's fine. I've got thick skin. I think it's entirely possible. And right now, Kenneth Walker is ranked the RB12 on keep trade cut. And we've got Zach Charbonnet at the RB20. One of the big things for me about Kenneth Walker, and these are the two of the biggest things, his pass pro last year, he almost ranked outside the top 40 in pass pro last year. The other factor with Kenneth Walker was that in the passing game he was only targeted 2.3 times per game and that put him that put him way way outside the top 20 top 25 at the position. Charbonnet is an exceptional receiver coming out of college. Charbonnet is a great pass blocker coming out of college and we've already listened to a lot of the words out of Pete Carroll's mouth. They drafted Charbonnet in the second round they talked about hey we would have taken him even sooner. Then we took him. They were surprised he was still available. They talked about Charbonnet is going to be in there immediately on third downs. This is a team that has dealt with a multitude of injuries. And I don't think that Pete Carroll is beholden to anyone. That's the problem. I think people believe that Kenneth Walker is going to outright own this backfield. And they both bring something very different to it. And Pete Carroll has alluded to this numerous times. Um, and I just think that we're going to see it trend this direction in an effort to not only conserve what Kenneth Walker brings to the table, which is a dynamic, explosive ability. They're going to want to conserve him a little bit, and it wouldn't surprise me if coming out of the gate, Kenneth Walker was in that 57% snap share range, and we saw those two things start to flip as the season went on.
1: I could not agree more. I I think Kenneth Walker's more of a boom and bust runner, and again, he's an extremely explosive player. But I think that where he lacks, I think Charbonnet, and a lot of people will say this, is where Charbonnet excels. uh, In the passing game, like you said, he was a fantastic prospect overall um, coming out of UCLA, and then a fantastic um, running back in the receiving game. I think those are, uh, in the short yardage situation, he uses his size more effectively. Uh, He's kind of a bigger back, and he's more of a bulldozer runner instead of Kenneth Walker is one of those guys who's just going to kind of try to cut outside and, and, and get the big yard gain. And, and he was incredible at that, but again uh, in short yarded situations, and I, I was trying to find the stat when you put this on the show sheet, but I, I, I there's a stat out there where he's, he's pretty inefficient in, 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 like uh third and one, fourth and one type of situations. Uh, but he obviously can break it out for a huge, he's probably breakaway run rate is fantastic. But again, I think it's the target's, I think if he's if Charbonnet's used in the short yard situation, it's kind of those things like that 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 you know Pete Carroll could probably trust him more in those situations, and he kind of feels like one of those Seattle running backs with the with the the, the uh, kind of the aggressive, you know, um grinder type running backs that that they've used in the past.
0: Look, he is right between Latavius Murray and Jalen Warren. I feel like we've done this before. 6.3% target share running back 35 guys. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. Hold on. Let me get closer. Look at that. 6.3 right there. That's Kenneth Walker. That's your King. That's the guy that you want to hinge all this on. Now, admittedly, Travis Etienne 7.8%, not that great either, but it was in Travis Etienne's profile. So at least we can lean on the idea that, okay, it's, it could be around the corner because he was so good in college at it. The problem is Kenneth Walker, it's very, very far from sort of his hallmark of what his skill set is. And again, like to bring up the share situation, uh, you look at these running backs, You had four guys last year that averaged that. I understand that with Kenneth Walker's average right here, it was buoyed because the first five weeks of the year, we had um, Rashad Penny in this offense. But again, you know, you look at Kenneth Walker, it's going to be tough sledding with Zach Charbonnet coming into town um, and and bringing some of what it was that he was so good at in college. And a lot of people brought up, oh, well, Kenneth Walker had to, or uh, Charbonnet had to go back to college to increase his receiving numbers. Guys, you think, that, you think that Zach Charbonnet was like, ah, you know what, it's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to college for a year so I can add 13 receptions to my total profile and break my body. Like, no, that wasn't his goal. He did not go back to college exclusively with the idea that he needed to catch more passes. He had caught 24 already. Go look at Leonard Fournette at his peak. Doesn't look anything like this. Like, guys, A.J. Dillon had, what, like like 10 catches in a season? You know, that was not his hallmark either. So... It's so silly to me to listen to analysts say he had to go back to college to bulk up his receiving stats. No, he didn't. That's not why he went back to college. But I believe that there was a lot of reasons with the draft stock behind it. But that's just, it's one of those things that's super silly to me. Okay, that was the Charbonnet. We did Christian Watson. We did Rashad White. You want to talk about Najee Harris being this year's Josh Jacobs? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Again, I think people have kind of alluded to, like, they, they see it, he was, I mean, Najee Harris was incredible his rookie year, uh, and, and he had a f- huge target share with with Big Ben. Um, but I think what what hurt him, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, the big proponent of of Jalen Warren being the problem. I think Jalen Warren kind of helps Najee because he gets such a huge workload. And again, he had 300 rushing attempts his rookie year, where he averaged 17 points a game and it was RB six there. Um, he had. 74 receptions, Uh, maybe he eats a little bit into that, but I still think the whole offense, shout out Cody Carpenter, went to training camp, whole offense is through, is through Najee. If he's being given, you know, back up to that 300 rush attempts, volume is king in this league. If this guy is going to be in the red zone and and, and used in that situation, he was dealing with the Liz Frank injury. You can see the efficiency coming up, second half of the season, uh, he got a little bit better. Um, but the key things are Kenny Pickett looking better in preseason. Offensive efficiency can go up. He was going dealing with Mitch Trubisky and, and Kenny Pickett's rookie year season going back and forth. The team was kind of even they're the they're eight and eight because or it five hundred with uh, with Tomlin. But I still think that they were still going through some stuff because they had a rookie quarterback and trying to ease him in. Um, I think Kenny Pickett gets better. I think they've got the weapons on the outside to not not get as many people in the box. I think they, they drafted a first round Broderick Jones in the first round uh he eventually will start on on, on that on that line they got darnell Washington that the, the big behemoth mo- from uh from uh the Georgia Bulldogs uh, I think he helps in the run game as well that adds like another extra offensive lineman I mean my god it's just one of those things where the extra offensive line uh help uh with and then they uh, they got the guard from Philly as well so they made a lot of offensive line additions where I think the offensive line play alone could be better, and Najee doesn't have to like be one of those guys that has to create. I still think Najee's one of those guys that's going to be pushing the 300 rush attempts, and then I think he gets his target share as well um, because he had that skill set coming into college, and then he already did it. His rookie year, he had 74 receptions. So he, he's a monster monster in both the running and the passing game. I know everyone references the 3.9. yards per carry I think the offensive line is way better now than it has been in the last two years that I think we see an increase in that yards per carry and Najee has a fantastic year and he's one of those guys like Josh Jacobs Josh Jacobs kind of never really kind of went back and forth and then he finally got that huge workload he dealt with an injury the year prior which suppressed his value people were low on him entering in the season and then you get him in, uh, even in startups. You get him at value, and now and then he hits, and he's the RB three. I think Najee, that's a that's easily in play for him, based on his workload volume in history.
0: Let's bring this one up for a second because I think people need to have a, a quick reality check. I, everybody's like Jalen Warren, he cut into Najee Harris's workload. Jalen Warren this, Jalen Warren that. PlayerProfiler dot This is Jalen Warren's profile. You can see it right here. You look at the last couple weeks of the season. Uh, you know, over 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, those weeks. Look at a snapshot, 40%, 33.8, 29.9, 40%, 41.8%. Okay, understandable. If I bring up Najee Harris, and I would like to have two profiles open, but apparently my computer hates me right now. So if I bring up Najee Harris, look at the end of the year for him. 67%, this one dipped just below 60, 66.2%, 70%, 64.3%, 61.2%. So if I now take you over to snap counts, and we say that he's over a 61-62, those are top 10 numbers. Guys, I don't think you understand what's happening here. Like, you, I think you guys are under the impression, again, Josh Jacobs had a monster workload. That is what's in question. Does he get to a 75%? That's very, very high. But there's reason to believe he's going to be higher than even what we saw last year. The point is, though, he's at minimum still a top 10 snap share percentage guy like I know you guys think that Jalen Warren is is like this axe chopping down a tree but really he's just biting at his ankles and there's a lot of beat writers that are saying there's no way Jalen Warren is knocking Najee Harris off of his position and I know you guys think that he's washed amongst all these other things but as Alexander laid out there's been a lot of evolution to this offense and the one thing again going back to almost the Christian Watson thing we've seen him targeted and, mm-hmm. and and catching the ball at a otherworldly rate. So to suddenly write that off and call him Trent Richardson, which is silly, is one of these things that I probably will will never get over overall. But I digress. Look, I, I agree. I think that he's got a lot of reasons why he could be this year's Josh Jacobs. Maybe not at the total snapshot volume level, but the surprise that Josh Jacobs brought to the table, I think is really what captivated everybody. And then again, because of that, suddenly, you know, Josh Jacobs is back in the top 10 conversation when he was the RB, what? 16, 17 Mm -hmm. for literally years. And here he is up here. And again, it's a fairly fraudulent ranking because I could see if he has, Couple bad games, comes back, whatever it is, doesn't perform that well, dude. He's gonna fall right down below Ramondre. He's gonna be in the Javante conversation. He's gonna go right back to the way people felt once upon a time. So I don't think that your take on Najee Harris is crazy at all. In fact, I completely support it. And I do think that he's a guy that finishes inside the top ten in fantasy scoring this year and and possibly even higher if that target share goes his direction. Um, mm. okay, next one on the list. Let's let's go to one let's go to a, a spicy one here. I, I want to go to Sam Howell outscores Daniel Jones in 2023, and you wanted to take it a step further with where Sam Howell might actually be ranked in Dynasty. Where do you think Sam Howell could find himself as a quarterback in the Dynasty rankings next year preseason?
1: I think Sam Howell, well, he's QB 23 now. I could easily see, with Daniel Jones being QB 14 right now, and we're saying he outscores him, I could see Daniel Sam Howell jumping into that top 15 conversation. He's got a fantastic supporting cast in Terry McLaurin. I know he's got a toe injury. He'll be fine. He'll be back for the season. Um, and then um, he's got Jahan Dotson. He's got Antonio Gibson. And they have the, the, – Brian Robinson is a pretty good big back. But, again, DeTotio Gibson as his receiving back, I, I think he's got the weapons. He's got a new coordinator in Biennium. Um, See what happens there. But, again, I think how coming out was a – again, we talked about this in our other video – was a crazy good prospect to go in the fifth round. He has arm talent. He has ridiculous numbers, especially at an early age, um, coming out of North Carolina, that couple that with the – you know, the new play caller uh, and the uh, all the weapons that they have on that team. Naomi um, Brown as well could be could be in play as well as a slot receiver. They got Curtis Samuel. Uh, they got a lot of guys that are yak guys. Right. And so he if they even put those guys in the space, he could be buoyed by just that fact. Right. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't even need to be throwing it downfield, but they have the speed to do that as well. So Sam, how easily top 15 conversation at the end of this season just because the situation is really, really good. It's not like one of the situations with these other other quarterbacks, these young guys, things like um, you know, Bryce Young with the offensive line and those weapons, or or CJ Stroud. I think I think Sam Howell is set up for success and he was a fantastic player coming up.
0: Yeah, it's not even crazy to me to say it. I think people people aren't gonna like the people aren't gonna like the Daniel Jones thing because for some reason People are, are just so convinced that Daniel Jones, now entering year five, by the way. By the way, people wanted to write this guy off so many different times. Like, they ran out of paper. They were like, i oh, fuck it. I'm going to write him off again. Here's my thing about Daniel Jones. He's got one year on his resume that looked really good. And that was the most recent year. Call it evolution. Call it healthy players around him, call it whatever you want to call it. But prior to last season, Jones never finished better than the QB 15 overall in fantasy football. And that was last season while being number 14 in pass attempts and being top three in rush attempts with, I believe 120 rush attempts. And he still was just the QB 10 overall at 18.4 points per game. By the way, guys, there's a big ceiling of guys that are higher than that number up here. Like, Like there's guys that score over 20 fantasy points per game, whether you believe it or not. So Daniel Jones finally gets to 18.4 and everybody's ready to take their pants off and start walking in a circle. (laughs) The other thing about it is that his efficiency last year was through the roof and that was a big supporter. He was the QB seven in fantasy points per drop back last year. So whether it was effectiveness as a passer or it was him running the ball, that was all going his way. The problem with Daniel Jones that we don't have with Sam Howell or the offense that he's in is that Daniel Jones doesn't push the ball downfield. And I know everybody's like, well, he's never had the weapons to push the ball downfield. The problem is you can take it for what it's worth, but Jones in his four seasons in the NFL has never been better than the QB 18 in deep ball pass attempts. And he's been outside the top 30 in back-to-back years. And I know that he's missed some times, but even if we adjust for averages or rates, it's still not much better. But guys, look, I'll buy in. Hook, line, and sinker. This is what's going to fix Daniel Jones' deep ball pass attempts. Darren Waller, Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, Jalen Hyatt, who's a rookie. That's the most mid-wide receiver group in the league. To be clear, you guys think that that's going to be what pushes him over, over this ledge and gets him to the point where he's some like definitive stud player. You do understand too, that for him to throw more, he probably has to rush less. Like one of these two things has to give. And if I had my, my choice, I would rather he run more than throw more if I had my own opinion, but let's go to Sam Howell for a minute. Washington this year has the 24th most difficult strength of schedule, which means they're probably going to be trailing and throwing more, which wouldn't be a surprise because last year we saw Washington trail on 55% of their possessions offensively for perspective Buffalo 25.2%. Yeah, guys, it's possible to have less than a 55% trail rate, which is not good. Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz, Both of these guys were their quarterbacks. They had atrocious quarterback play. And by the way, Carson Wentz played eight games last year and threw, threw how many, four, six, through 14 more deep ball pass attempts in eight less games than Daniel Jones threw in 16. Jones threw 26 deep balls in 16. Carson Wentz threw 38 in eight. Just to give you guys an illustration of how infrequently Daniel Jones throws it downfield and how much we can expect the commanders to throw the ball. Downfield. Now, the Washington offensive line is projected for the number 27 offensive line in 2023, which, again, may not only mean that they're trailing more, but it may kick in the special factor about Sam Howell that we saw him do in his final year in college, which is running the ball more. There may be more design runs. There may be more scrambles. All the things you guys seem to love about Daniel Jones is also in (laughs) Sam Howell's profile. And then on top of it, as you mentioned, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Yak guys, big play guys. And we saw Sam Howell coming out of college, his three years in college had an A-dot of the top seven quarterback in college or better. And in his final year, when he was running like crazy, he was the second highest rated quarterback in average depth of target, even while running all the time. So guys, it's not crazy to me at all that he could pass a guy like Daniel Jones, who hopes that Saquon Barkley stays healthy all year because You want to just feed him the rock. I I love what Daniel Jones did, but I have less confidence in him than I do Sam Howell going into this year, just looking at the weapons. And again, I know that there's contract things and other things in place that are going to give you guys some confidence, but we've seen this before teams have gotten it wrong with quarterbacks and they have busted. Daniel Jones has done enough for his team not to quit on him while other teams have quit on their players. But I don't think it's a hot take to say that Sam Howell outscores Daniel Jones, who last year, looking at this here, was the QB 10. Sam Howell played one game. He's actually ranked above him here as well. So (laughs) take it for for what it's worth. That's called getting dunked on. Okay, so (laughs) let's let's move on to somebody else here. How about Jamison Williams? So you've got Jamison Williams potentially... Moving his way back into the top 15 in Dynasty in 2024 or potentially at some point during the season. Now, I know that there's probably some people out there that are like, oh, get out of here, man. Let's not forget that Jamison Williams was a squatter in the top 15, 16 for like seven months. He's been sitting. In this spot, in the rankings, while everybody was moving above and below him, guys were falling out of range for no reason. And he was, like, sheltered, nailed to that position. So, again, you're suggesting he goes back to essentially where he was, plus some. But right now, he's valued much, much lower than that.
1: Oh, my God. He's going wide receiver 36. He's 22 and a half years old. He had an ACL injury he was recovering from. Granted, he only played six games, but... Team invested the 12th overall pick in this guy. He's 6'1", 180, runs a four three nine. 9 Do you think that they're going to risk the guy that they invested so much in and just throw him out there and, and use him super heavy off of his rookie year, especially coming off of a late-year in, uh, ACL injury? I think he got it in the college football playoffs, so the recovery time was a um, lot longer than anybody that would have it early in the season. Um with that being said, again, isn't this the kind of player that we all like? Isn't this? I know he's six one, but he's about the same size, weight wise, as someone like you know uh, Jalen Waddell, who everyone loves. Um, they're they're both speed freaks that kind of can stretch the field almost like not not to the extent of maybe the size speed freak of as Christian Watson, but he's one of those guys that profiles as that that can do the most with the least. He can take it. For, uh you know for 80 yard touchdown he can take a jet sweep for a 40 uh, yard touchdown he's got that in his profile right he's one of those dynamic players uh in in college football and then he coming off of a 1500 yard receiving season and at 19.9 yards per reception and he's going wide receiver 36 and he's 22 and a half years old this is dynasty this is not redraft you eat the six games, and you can get a guy that potentially he comes out and he's and he has like three or four different games. The market changes super quickly on keep trade cut. All of a sudden, he skyrockets up those ranks, and he's back in that top fifteen conversation just alone by his age. And he's still got three, he's still got two or three more years left on his contract, right uh, after this season. So he's one of those guys that I think they don't really have anybody of consequence on that roster they have you know they have the monster that is Amon-Ra St. Brown right i'm not discounting Amon-Ra St. Brown i'm not saying that Jameson Williams is going to be one of those guys that every year is going to get 140 targets but if he's one of those guys that's it could be like maybe a Hill i know Hill is not the same as Amon-Ra but if Amon-Ra's eating all that underneath all uh, the short yardage receiving game and, and you see Jamison Williams getting all those deep targets, all those uh, those um, middle of the field routes, those crossers where he takes it for the house or an underneath crosser and takes it for the house because he's got the speed for it. Jamison Williams is one of those guys that we could easily see at week 9, 10 that he just jumps up this list, and you can get him right now at wide receiver thirty six.
0: You know, this is the this is one of these conversations about if you're a rebuilder you know, and you're sitting on a guy Mm -hmm. like Keenan Allen and there's a contender or somebody that's competitive and they're sitting on Jamison Williams. There's a lot of discontent with Williams. You can see right here on keep trade cut. He's fallen at least 12 positional spots here over the last month. Continues to fall. Uh, He's essentially between, you know, Christian Kirk, Marquise Brown. Now you can take a guy like Keenan Allen, Flipping for Jamison Williams. I like Keenan Allen. We just did a show where we believe, you know, Keenan Allen can be one of these guys that continues to play a bit longer than his age would indicate. But a guy like him, a guy like Mike Evans, like these are the guys, DeAndre Hopkins, like to to a competitive team, there's enough discontent with Jamison Williams that you could acquire him in a deal for one of these veterans. And if Jamison Williams turns into 75, 80% of the player he was expected to be, that's going to be a smash value. Um, relative to what you're giving up, because if you're holding on to any of these other guys, like they're just they're just declining assets. They're they're mm-hmm. great for competitive teams. They're not very good for rebuilders or necessarily teams in the middle. Depending on where you're at, the problem is by the time you really know who you are, Jamison Williams is going to be coming off of his suspension, and you're going to be week five, six, seven, and he's now playing again. And just the fact that he's back on the field, even by week three, when the buzz about him coming back in three weeks starts to kick in, his value will go back up just on the hype, the buzz, the expectation yet again. Um, Had he not been suspended, I don't think it would have fallen this far, but you know, here we are now kind of looking at, at the wide receiver 36, which to me, yes, I I also think that that's a little bit crazy considering some of the guys that are above him um, that are getting a pass right now. You know, again, the Omari Coopers, the, the, all these older guys, like this is, you know, I like keep trade cut, but these rankings aren't really like separated by if you're a contender, if you're a rebuilder, because depending on what your roster that you're thinking Mm -hmm. about making this deal with looks like these rankings may look a different way to you. You may dislike the fact that you're seeing some of these older wide receivers so high uh, based on the way that you're, your, you know, your rankings or your roster is set up. So I think it's a good take. I, I don't think it's crazy. I think he's a guy that's been kind of swept under the rug, forgotten about. People are forgetting about the hype. They're ignoring the age. They're ignoring the contract. They're ignoring the non-redundancy within the offense that he's in. This team just got rid of its tight end, and now it's really the short area guy that they said they want to make him a deep route guy. But I think if I go look up the numbers, I think Amon Rod St. Brown was only targeted deep on, like, seriously, like 5% of his routes. Like, it's not mm-hmm. even... It's almost like it's such a small number. I question if that's even accurate. Like mm-hmm. that's almost like the deviation. Like there is right. some error variance there. I don't know if I'm seeing variance. Um, it's so <laughs> low. So anyways. Um, okay. I think this might be one of the last ones. I'm I'm playing a game in my head which one I want to go with. How about this? Let's have a conversation about this. Is it right. possible that in 2023, Jonathan Mingo ends up with the most receiving yards of any receiver from this class. Is it possible?
1: It is. It is possible. I mean, let's just go walk through the that the the list. Okay, so what? Jackson Smith and Jigba so already has do this. I'll pull this yeah, up want to for you right there? Okay, okay, go yeah, we'll through go the rookies. rookies.
0: Rookie rankings. Let's go to rookie wide receivers. So here you go. So you got a
1: Jigba, right? He's already got a hand injury. He may miss one game, right? So... He may he could make it up, but he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for target competition. Uh, he's we love him, uh, you know he's a fantastic player, uh, but he has got some really good, good players to go against.
0: I've got to say this before you finish because I, there are people that are so delusional about how this works. Jackson Smith was drafted highly. He's very very good. Tyler really good. Lockett is amazing. DK Metcalf Mm -hmm. is an incredible player. They are foundational pieces within an offense that has admiration of playing in the playoffs and playing for a title. Jackson Smith has ground to make up. He has to prove himself in season to begin to become a significant part of this offense. Now, I could see that Lockett's role being reduced a little bit Mm -hmm. when Jackson Smith comes in. DK's maybe not so much. I could see Jackson Smith by... Week 7, 8, being a guy that's looking at maybe 6 targets a game, 7 targets a game, and maybe by the end of the season we could see him ushered into some opportunities of 9 targets, 10. Like, those games are going to happen. They're not mm-hmm. going to be the consistency. And the third wide receiver on average in an offense, year over year, is like 72 targets. I'm not saying Jackson Smith is going to be that low, but I think people have also forgotten that 100 targets for a rookie is an incredible ceiling to break. And oftentimes mm-hmm. does not happen. So temper expectations when you hear Alexander say there is a mountain to climb, and he is a rookie.
1: Yeah, and again, he's should be the number one talent wise out of this entire class. He's the number one for sure. Like he's just got he's done all he has the numbers. He's got the athleticism, the works. Um, but anyways, JSN, yeah, heavy comp- target competition. Jordan Addison, same deal. And they just signed, you know, they just signed Hawkinson to that massive contract. He's going to have a huge part of that offense. Um, Obviously, the number one wide receiver in the NFL he has to compete with for a target share. It may open things up, and he may get his yardage. He could probably be the guy that could be. He's like the early favorite out of these guys to probably lead all rookie wide receivers, I think. Yes. And he's an easy layup for anybody that's trying to get him in somewhere like, you know, redraft. And and he has the most immediate value right now. Um, But long term, what is his ceiling? Right. Uh, So that's a big question for him. Flowers. Again, I know they talk about Todd Munkin and all this stuff, but they really need to. I really need to see it to believe it, that you're going to take away uh, rush attempts for, you know, one of the the best dual threat quarterback in the league and you're going to have him throw more. How efficient is that going to be if they're not running and then trying to do play action? Um, Zay Flowers, he's a fantastic deep ball receiver, but they've got Odell. They signed for eight, uh, what sixteen million. They've got um, they've got uh, Rashad Bateman. If Bateman is as good as all the Bateman truthers say, he could eat up into that target share. Uh, and then we also have the number one tight end um, um, in terms of dynasty. Now, Travis Kelsey's number one still. Uh, that Mark Andrews is up there um, in that target share. He's the number one of the entire, that
0: entire offense, heavy target competition. Again, I do want to add this too. And again, people are going to be like, Oh, he didn't have any weapons to throw to. And Tyler Huntley was passing last year. Baltimore was dead last in the NFL in wide receiver target rate at 42.6%. They didn't even target the wide receiver position over 200 times. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 458 wide receiver targets, more than twice that number. So, while you guys want to make excuse, we love Zay Flowers too, and I do believe the evolution of this offense will show itself over time. But we have to pump the brakes on Zay Flowers as well, just a little bit until this whole thing vets itself.
1: Yeah, again, yeah, he's a great player long term. His fit in that offense is fantastic. But I think Baltimore has shown you that with the Odell signing, with the changing the offensive coordinator, they kind of want to spread the ball around and have Odell throw a little bit more. And they want to have a lot more competition here and more weapons for him. That doesn't spell well for fantasy because they're going to spread it around. Uh, and if Zay Flowers comes on top, that's fantastic. Again, we think for future, he's the number one. I don't know about Bateman, but yeah, I love Zay Flowers. Um, Quinton Johnston. Um he's got I mean, he's got Mike Evans or Mike Evans, jeez, Mike Williams yep. and uh Keenan Allen to compete with, at least for this year. Again, one of those guys, great fit. The pass attempts are there, but in terms of rookie yardage rec- uh receiving, it's I, it, I don't know if it's there. It would have it would take an injury to Keenan or Mike Williams, who do have a history of being out um every so often. Uh but I think it would take an injury for Johnston to kind of be one of those potential things with that that target competition. but again, he's got to compete with Eckler in the receiving game as well. So the target competition is very, very lim- uh, is, is very heavy. Uh, and so I, I have a hard time seeing Quentin Johnston being that guy. Again, one of those guys that has the the, the fit is fantastic. I think long term it's a great fit. He's one of those guys that you want to hold on to. He's one of those cornerstone pieces. Of your of your roster, but in the immediate, I think Johnston is kind of held down on the yardage.
0: Fun fact for everybody listening: fun fun fact because I like just coming in with the fun fact. <laughs> Last year, the Chargers were in the bottom six and wide receiver target rate of fifty five point six percent, despite having all those players. 381 targets to the wide receivers. Not surprisingly, number one rate of targeting the running back position last year at 178. That's not going to slow down this year. So yes, it's going to take significant injury to get Quentin Johnson onto the field. Like I just don't, Mike Williams is good enough that he's not the type of guy where you, where you guys, for some reason have convinced yourself that Jackson Smith is even just going to like breeze right by a guy like Tyler Lockett like, I don't think Quentin Johnson's just going to blow by Mike Williams. Like, it's not Mm-mm. it's not going to happen this year. And so those things are going to be slightly delayed. Now, I'm interested to hear your Marvin Mims take. Uh, oh. Do you foresee 141 targets for Marvin Mims?
1: <laughs> no. no, I think he, I, I just think, you know, I think the hamstring injury to Judy doesn't, the, the reports are not that bad. So if Judy's back, they already have Cortland Sutton. I think that they they with Sean Payton they use the running backs in the receiving game as well. Um, again, it would take another injury to these starters with Judy. If Judy comes back at least week one or week two, um, I, I think that he he's dealing with that. He's the third wide receiver and three wide receiver sets. Um, I think if Judy would have been significantly hurt or Sutton, again these are two that kind of do have injury histories as well, kind of up and down. Uh, I could see Mims, one of those guys that jumps in there, but again, you're, you're forecasting injuries and it's just, it's, it's, it's not a uh, recipe for success. You, it's a good person to stash, you know, uh, but in terms of betting on the fact that they would be leading all rookie wide receivers in yardage, uh, he, he's not my betting favorite. I think if Judy's injury was more significant, I would, I would say that it would be Addison Mims uh, would be in that conversation as well. But, um, and then you come back down to Mingo. I, again, the, the guys above him, again, we kind of walk through. He's at he's at that six. And, and then you look at Adam Thielen's 33. He could potentially have injuries. You know, we talked about how the injury risk goes up significantly. We were showing you the stats on just the percentage's chance of, of even showing up. He's kind of projects as one of these yak guys. I think in an earlier video when we were talking about Mingo, gosh, I think um, it was almost like and again, I hate doing just a, off the top of my head. I think we—I didn't really do a lot of research on Mingo. I think it was like over sixty percent of his yardage in college, his final year, came uh, in yards after catch and like screens and such. Mm-hmm. So he can—he can create obviously by his profile. He's six 6'1", one. He's 6'1", 226 at four four six. Um, am I reading that? That's a, that's a crazy speed yeah. score for a, a guy sad. like that. So he could easily do that, and he's competing with. I know our boy Cody Copy big on Hayden Hurst, um, but I think still it's I think the it, you know Thielen's there. Chark's already kind of hurt, and he, Chark has never projected as one of those guys that, other than his few uh, one or two years in um, Jacksonville, uh, getting a big target share. I think, I think it's he has an easy path to success with the other weapons around him. Hayden Hurst, who's kind of moved around now at this point. Um, Adam Thielen, he's 33. We love Adam Thielen for the longest time, but again, if he gets one injury, the, the risk of getting more injuries or just the risk of getting a injury increases by his age, because of his age. Um, it, there's risk there, but again, I don't think I think there's a reason why you know the Vikings moved on with for him with him. I think he's the most dynamic player. Terrace Marshall, kind of the last few years has shown like inefficiency. I think if he He's he's had some splashes. Um, he has an interesting profile, but again, I think you know that this is a new regime. They spent a second round pick on this guy, early second round pick, uh, and he's kind of a yak monster that he can kind of create. I think they're going to try to get him into space, um, and I think he's already been he's already been used in three uh, wide receiver sets and and gaining that rapport with Bryce Young. Uh, I could totally see this guy being the one that the team itself invests target share into because he's part of that new regime, that new coaching regime. And they, they like him a lot. A
0: couple of fun facts for you right off the bat. All number right, one right. in 2022 coming out of Ole Miss, Jonathan Mingo, 47% of his receiving production came on 20 yards or greater downfield. There it is. He was targeted Sorry. at 31.6% rate, which is a fairly high number. No, it it's good. He, he was a deep guy. Uh, at a lot of times in college, he was also, when compared to the rest of the wide receivers that were draft eligible in 2023, he was top five in yards after the catch at 7.3. Ridiculous. Uh, he was top 30 in yards per out run at 2.26. He was top 14 in average depth of target at 14.4. He's played inside the slot one season. He had about a 40% slot rate. He's also been as high as 80 plus percent on the outside. So again, this is what we've talked about: a utility at the position. Guys like AJ Brown, guys that can play inside, can play outside. Justin Jefferson, inside, outside. Now you take all this size, all the speed, and put him in this offense. And again, like there is a there's a great chance that. He's a guy that ends up with, let's say, 95 targets this year, but is just so ultra efficient and productive with that target share that he does outproduce the rest of these guys. And and take it for what it's worth, he could outproduce the entirety of this draft class and still only have 850 receiving yards. Like I'm not mm-hmm. gonna be surprised when nobody cracks 800 yards because that's always been a historically difficult mark to break. And as you mentioned, Addison might be the guy who's prime the most. To have that potential, because I think I would bet on him having the greatest uh, total targets of the group. But then mm-hmm. again, that's also a difficult one to project as well, because rookie wide receivers just don't often get that opportunity. Um, and with Jonathan Mingo in this offense, with Bryce Young, with no real um, chemistry or rapport or back end anything built into it, it's a fresh start for everyone. Um, I think he could certainly be the guy, and I look forward to seeing what he does. And again, if, if we were to just go look right now, because I'm kind of curious where he ranks amongst the sort of the consensus wide receivers, Jonathan Mingo is currently the wide receiver 44. So right there with Elijah Moore and Tyler Lockett. I don't know about you, but I would happily send Tyler Lockett for Jonathan Mingo right now with zero hesitation. I would send Rashad Bateman for Jonathan Mingo with zero hesitation. And and I know people are like, again, they're just, they are devoted to Rashad Bateman. They worship the church of Bateman and believe that the injury history will dissolve and go away. And he's going to be the guy. But again, we just alluded to the fact that the Baltimore Ravens don't throw the ball. And I don't know if it's because of lack of receivers. I think it's that they just truly like to target the tight ends. I don't think that necessarily gets better with Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson runs the ball a lot. And I don't see that changing whatsoever. Um, so anyways, Alexander, I think that's it. I don't think I want to crack into what's left. We've gone over an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. We've we've pushed through a lot of the stuff that I, I was hoping we would get through, and I'm not going to break out the last one, even though it was a Kyle Pitts one. I'm going to tease with that. Maybe it'll come up on another episode. So guys, um, as usual, check out the description below. There's a link for the Discord group. Come join the Discord. Hit me up. Hit up Alexander when you, when you get in there. Say hey. Uh, go to DynastyRankings.com, put in your email. We'll have more to talk about on that front here, hopefully after this weekend or in the coming weeks. Uh, again, I mentioned I teased. Oh, everybody take a drink. I teased uh, the trade calculator uh, that's in the works. I teased that the rankings are getting close. Uh, go check those out. Of course, guys, if you're listening on Spotify, um, there's a Q&A thing. Fill it out. Somebody filled it out last week. It's really awesome to get people's feedback. On these episodes, of course, rate and review these on iTunes, on Spotify, on whatever platform you're on. Um, Do that for us. That helps a lot. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit subscribe. Hit like below while you're watching this right now. And comment below if there's anything you disagreed with, with something that we said in this episode. I love the feedback. Again, I'm getting trolled sometimes. I'm getting great analysis other times. It's very back and forth. So anyways, guys, Alexander, thanks again. Uh, Great work today. And we will be back with another episode for you guys probably this weekend. But again, you guys can expect the Dynasty Rankings podcast every Wednesday. And as this show evolves and the advanced metrics and the rankings and the trade calculator become available, there will be an evolution with the show as well. So we're excited to deliver that to you guys. Um, So we will see you on the next episode.